bienvenidos. Welcome to the very first episode of the UFO Third SLIR Report. Uh, my name is Victor Perez, a former uh, EOD alumni, now host of the UFO Third. Uh, excuse me, uh, now a host of the El Amelé podcast, I should say. But yeah, but thank you very much, everyone, for, for listening. So uh, during the next uh, two months from now, March to May, uh, you're going to be listening to this on the EOD feed, uh, specifically talking about uh, La Superliga Americana Rugby, uh, also known as SLAR. There you go, finally got those down. Uh, and I'm going to be talking to you specifically all things SLAR during, again, the next uh, two months specifically. Uh, so uh, we have noticed specifically with the EOD crew that there's not really a lot of English language anything in regards to this new South American League. Uh, there might be things here and there, but nothing really explaining what's going on down in South America. So we have come to the understanding that I, as the Spanish-speaking representative of the EOD family, uh, for me to record uh, these uh, and post it every other Monday or Tuesday, depending on whenever this goes up, uh, of course, to tell you, uh, our listeners, specifically EOD uh, listeners, what's going on down in South America. But in any case, with that said, uh, let's get started. So first of all, let me do a quick ran uh, rundown of uh, the six teams that are playing in SLR. And if you didn't know, the, the, the league itself is specifically created uh, with the help of South America Rugby, which is, of course, the larger uh, governing body of the sport uh, between South America and a little bit of Central America, Spanish-speaking nations, and, and Brazil, which is Portuguese-speaking, uh, and the unions specifically. So you got six teams in the league, specifically representing uh, Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, Paraguay, Brazil, and Colombia. So uh, with that said, let me run down every one of the teams. So everyone, of course, is familiar with it before we actually start talking about each particular uh, uh, game. Of course, that has happened in the past uh, two, two rounds. So the first thing that probably most of you might be familiar with will be Hawares 15s, or just simply Hawares, or the Jacks, or Jaguars, so depending on what you want to pronounce, because that was a team that was playing in the, in Super Rugby specifically as the uh, Argentina representative. Uh, unfortunately, with the breakup of uh, Super Rugby due to COVID-19, uh, the Argentinian team was without a home uh, because of travel restrictions. So it was decided to put it inside of the South American League from uh, from there on, from 2021 onwards, at least is the idea. Um, in the little bit of 2020 that Slar played, which if you didn't know, yeah, that was a first, this is the second season, um, the team from Argentina that played was called Sabos or, or Los Sabos, which is specifically a team uh, that was located in the city of Cordova, uh, and, or exactly in Cordova, exactly. Uh, in any case, Juárez uh, is strictly Buenos Aires. So the, the specifically capital. So the reasoning as to why Sabos was created, it was specifically to bring high-level rugby to, to specifically to those players from outside the capital. Since Argentina's stronghold for many years was, and I guess to a certain extent still is, Buenos Aires. And that definitely reflected in, in the Pumas, in the Argentina national thing, also things of 
course, have changed uh, within the, pa uh, the past decade plus, uh, specifically. But in any case, um, the the WAR, specifically Union Argentina de Rugby, the, the, the Argentinian Rugby Union, um, decided to scrap Sabos and put Hawaii's victims in, which is a whole kind of words that I'm not even bothered going to get into it. But that is the thing that most of you probably may might be familiar with, but you may know it or may not know it as Hawaii's fig team, uh, which was a team that was specifically created uh, for the Curry Cup first division, the second uh, division tournament in South, in South Africa, actually, which they won with no losses whatsoever. So, but in any case, just to quickly run down that, that particular team. Um, so the head coach is a guy named Ignacio Fernandez Lobe, very popular uh, rugby player throughout his um, career. Uh, the brother of Juan Martin Fernandez Lobe, uh, also known as El Corcho. Uh, it, uh, Corcho is um, the, um, the, the thing that, that you have on, on wine bottles, that particular thing. I'm now I'm blanking on the name of it, but in any case, uh, I guess his head looked like that as a kid or something. Like that. I'm not sure, or because it was very lanky, and I guess it looked like that. In any case, uh, Ignacio, his brother, again has been a coach for quite a while. Um, the coach is specifically of Argentina 15th, uh, so that now passes over as a coach of Hawaii's 15, and also as a coach of Sabos during the first season. Uh, although not a lot was played because of COVID-19. In any case, um, we got Captain Felipe Scura, uh, which is, is, is the star scorer half uh, for the third and fourth matches uh, during the 2019 World Cup. So it has about 11 caps. In any case, that's the team obviously with the most uh, the, uh, the most game time, and obviously the team that pretty much everyone has a point as the team that definitely is going to win. In any case, after that, uh, we have uh, their neighbors to the that will be the east, which is Peñarol Rugby. Now, Peñarol is the team from from Uruguay specifically, and its name and connected with the, the, the club Atletico Peñarol, which is a very uh, popular uh, uh, sports club in Uruguay, specifically Montevideo in the capital, that most people really uh, think of uh, in regards to, to, to soccer or football. Uh, but also they have a really good um, basketball team, I've been told as well. In any case, Peñarol uh, is pretty much the Uruguayan national team with a couple of players here and there. That's another thing, too, that I had to explain. In Star 2020, you had players uh, from around the world winning those teams, particularly a lot of Pacific Islanders here and there. But because of COVID-19 restrictions, what has happened is that you have uh, Argentinian, Argentinian uh, reinforcements winning every team except Hawaii's because obviously it's a team made of Argentinians. So you're going to have teams with more uh, or less Argentinians than nationals here and there. So Peñarol is definitely one of them. So of the 30-man roster, only five players are Argentinian. Uh, but you'll see the difference as I explained each one of the teams before we actually get to the point uh, of everything. In any case, uh, Peñarol is coached by Pablo Bosa, uh, originally from the city of Rosario, that played his professional rugby uh, during the 90s and had and ended up with his caps with the Pumas until uh, 2007, more than likely, in that uh, the World Cup. 
or Argentina got bronze specifically. Um, so he uh, he coached uh, also as an assistant coach uh, under Daniel Orcade, uh, also known as El Huevo or the Egg. Uh, Argentinians are really interesting with their nicknames when it comes to rugby. Uh, but in any case, uh, he he was uh, again he was a coach there, and now of course has passed to be uh, Peñarol's coach. Uh, from the normal season onwards, so since 2020. So in this instance, we have um, Captain Andres Vilaseca, uh, who replaces um, this gentleman, uh, Juan Manuel uh, Juan Manuel Gaminara. Uh, you may remember him as the guy that said, I'm really proud of my country when beating Uruguay, when Uruguay beat Fiji in the 2019 World Cup. That was a great match, if you haven't seen it, by the way. And Vilaseca, of course, a really good player, in his own right. Uh, so, again, really good with that. But in any case, uh, uh, again, it's pretty much a Hawaiian team with a couple of, again, with five Argentinians. Really good team and, and not too, again, not, not too shabby, really. In any case, after that, we go west and now we go uh, talking about Seknam. Uh, Seknam, which is, by the way, named after a, a Native American tribe. It's, it's, well, I guess native Chilean tribe, I should say, although American, I was just in, it in the sense of the continent. Uh, America is referring to North and South America as one, as opposed to two. Uh, it was, again, an old uh, indigenous tribe in the south uh, of Chile, in the, the area of the Patagonia, I believe. Uh, I guess very renowned for being warriors. In any case, it's named after that team, and this is the team again based uh, out of uh, Santiago, the capital uh, of Chile. So, of their roster, in this case, five uh, players are Argentinian, the rest are Chilean born and raised. So, in this case, the the coach is a gentleman named Nicolas Br uh, Brusone. He's definitely new to me uh, as well. Um, he played as, as uh, he was played as, as a scrum half and a very uh, French type of player within Pumas, but he never really got capped. And this is actually his first year as the coach uh, of Secnam. Originally, uh, we had uh, Pablo Lemoine, uh, who's originally for Uruguay, who still is the coach of their uh, freak teams uh, team. Now, in this instance, the the, the the captain we have Ignacio Silva, which is a, a flanker who has actually gotten a lot better with age. It's fine wine, the, the man, I have to say. So, again, really good player. I would definitely say one of their star players, in, in, in fact. Uh, now, I mentioned that how people think Juarez is going to win. Now, Peñarol will be probably a secondary team, Segnam more than likely a third um, in regards to strength. You have to understand that when it comes to South American rugby, really... Um, Argentina has had the, the the baton for the for the whole of the continent for quite quite a lot of years, mostly for the fact that really Argentina was the first nation to really get into rugby after amateur back in the 1890s. Although don't get me wrong, Uruguay was doing the same, but not to the same level. Also, a smaller population, and really the Uruguayan national team has gotten better just within the past couple of years. The Chilean thing was actually quite bad until recently when they have also, also have gotten better. Uh, but yeah, but definitely probably a third team uh, in this case in, in terms of strength. Well, in any case, uh, just directly after that, we go actually north. I guess that will be northeast uh, from Chile. And now let's talk specifically uh, about Olympia, Olympia Lions. I'm not sure why it has that English name uh, for a place in Paraguay. 
in the case, Leones is the Spanish for Lions, by the way. And this is the team uh, representing uh, Paraguay. Now, Paraguayan rugby is quite interesting. It's very undeveloped as of now, uh, but the idea is that with this team, Olympia, which is, by the way, connected with a soccer club, just like Peñarol, in this case, Club Olympia, eh, also known as Lao or the O, because that's what you know, eh, or El Decano, the Deacon. It, it, again, these are nicknames, again, for eh, for soccer teams, uh, very popular in, in the rest of the world, really. Um, in any case, eh, this team is connected, again, with this large, eh, again, large uh, soccer club or football club obviously to bring attention to uh, to the masses specifically because they were, of course they know one and they would know the other uh, someone also told me that their basketball team is also called olympia lions so you also you got that thing too in any case uh, in comparison to for example uh, peñarol and Secnam, where you have a larger population of uh, native players as opposed to the argentinians in this case uh, through enforcements this is the opposite. In this case of their 30-man squad, you have 19 Argentinians and 11 Paraguayans. And the reasoning as to why is because, unfortunately, Paraguayan rugby is very undeveloped uh, until until now, of course. So they've been there, but they haven't really shown a, 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 a lot of promise, to be completely honest. So with the idea is with, with SLAT as a whole, especially adding a team from Paraguay, is that they will get better eventually, especially with these Argentinian players helping out the Paraguayan players, so 11 of them. So on any, in any given roster, you're going to see most of the Argentinian guys playing and just probably one or two of the Paraguayans. So that's another thing too. Now, in this case, the head coach is Raul eh, Perez, also known as Aspirina or Aspirin. I'm not sure exactly why. But in any case, he's the coach of both uh, Olympia Lions as well as the Paraguayan national team, also known as Chacares, which I believe is the one any word uh, word for, um, I guess, a crocodile or alligator, I believe. Um, also, fun fact, um, Paraguay is actually the only country in the Americas where the native language is a national language. Uh, so on the same status as Spanish, in this case, the language is called Guarani, which is the name of the people from there. So again, a little bit of uh, uh, history there uh, for you. Uh, so in any case, uh, Raul Perez uh, used to be, of course, a national, a national team player and assistant coach uh, as well. Very well regarded, I have to say. In any case, in this instance, the captain of the team is Axel Zapata, eh, who's a hooker eh, from Argentina. I would have wished to have a Paraguayan, but meh, it's what it is. So in this instance, Olympia is, it, I mean, the team is there really, but not not strong as the other three that I just first mentioned. So that's a team that you could definitely write off quickly as a fifth or, eh, or, or even worse, sixth place team, in all honesty. In any case, going from there, now we're going to be speaking specifically in regards to the Brazilian team, which will be north, uh, I guess, northeast, north, uh, northwest from, from Paraguay. And by the way, this team is based in Asuncion. Uh, the other one, uh, the Brazilian team is called Cobras, Cobras Brazil team. I'm not sure exactly how you say that in Portuguese. My Portuguese is quite bad. Muito malo, as they would say in, in, in Brazilian Portuguese. Now, in this case, uh, the Cobras team originally had a different name. It was called Corinthians, which was also connected with a soccer team. Uh, but unlike in the other countries, as far as I know, um, that wasn't well uh, liked for the fact that a lot of people are not Corinthian fans within 
the the larger nation of Brazil. So it's a very unpopular decision. And what happened was that with COVID nineteen, for whatever reason, Corinthians decided to leave that venture. So the confederation, I believe, the Brazilian rugby confederation, I believe, is what's called, decided to just create their own team, which ended up being called Cobras Brazil. So like like a cobra, obviously. In this instance, this is pretty much. Hawares Brazil edition. It's literally the Brazilian national team. In this instance, you got um, four, I believe four or five Argentinian players. Well, actually, probably now seven. And I'll explain. It, it, this particular team has had a lot of problems with COVID-19. About 11 of their players, unfortunately, caught the virus. A lot of them props. And you know, when it comes to rugby, you need those, again, the, the, those that from road to be nice and powerful. And COVID-19, unfortunately, doesn't really help. So what happened was I actually recruited two ex-Argentinian guys. So I believe probably now they may have seven players, although I'm not completely sure. And also I'm not really, uh, I'm not, not sure if there's uh, articles coming out about the condition of the players that caught COVID. Uh, but in any case, I do wish them all the best. So in this case, the coach is a guy called Emiliano uh, Berchamaski, uh, Argentinian, by the way, as well. Um, now, also, uh, I believe, yeah, he was a national team player. He uh, plays his professional rugby between England and France. And he was also assistant coach uh, under Daniel Urcade, just like Pablo Bosa that I mentioned uh, before. Um, in, and first time, of course, he uh, him in the position of, again, of, uh, of coach uh, for the Brazilian team. In this instance, so uh, the captain of the team here is Felipe Sanseri, who is a Brazilian player, which I believe he was born and raised in France of Brazilian parents. And due to uh, Brazil actually getting serious about rugby, actually decided to move to Brazil. And he's been playing in Brazil ever since, which is great. Not a lot of players can say something like that. Um, so he pairs up well with his brother, um, I believe Felipe is his name, and are twins. So you, so the Sanseri is wins. So uh, him, the two of them, and then you got the Duque brothers, uh, Moises and his uh, his brother that unfortunately is no longer playing rugby, which were really cool to see a two pair of brothers uh, playing uh, again a, a game of rugby. So in this instance, uh, I would say Cobras will be a, more than likely a fourth option team in this instance. Um, again, Brazil is getting there in, in game time and in, in, in and of course, in level. But if you compare it to, for example, the Hawares or or Peñarol or Segnam, I don't think they're there yet. I mean, they may cause an upset since Brazil actually the national team did so, uh, playing, for example, with USA, Canada. Uh, I believe they also did it uh, with a couple of other, well, actually, USA, Canada only from the Americas because from there on you got Portugal and Georgia, a Georgia team team that they also beat, and they and their scrum was really well regarded uh, on that in the match they had against Maori's team in 2018 I want to say uh, but in any case uh, good players uh, all around uh, in that team um, so uh, unlike the other team uh, by the way uh, so in this instance like I said they got about seven Argentinian players now the Brazilian uh, Union or Confederation in this case uh, was looking to have if they were going to have Argentinian players, which they didn't really have, wanted to, they wanted them to be eligible to play for Brazil. They're looking for eligible players for the Brazilian team specifically. So you may have a couple of Argentinian players that may have a, a, as a street that dates to Brazil that are playing 
now with Cobras. Now, there's two other players that they brought in. It was mostly due to COVID, so it was out of their hands. So those players definitely are not wrestling eligible as of now. And in any case, finally, the last thing that we're going to talk about, we actually before we actually get to the meat and potatoes of the of the actual episode, is Cafeteros Pro. Now, this is the most interesting of the teams because it's actually their first season in SLAD. Now, they were uh, announced alongside the other five teams in the 2020 season, but the idea was that they were going to play uh, two matches with the fifth place team to see who was going to go uh, as the, the last place team. But of course, uh, that didn't happen because of COVID. So they ended up not playing at all and now officially playing winning slot. Now, this is what happens. Uh, uh, Cafeteros is a team from Colombia, based out of the city of Medellin, uh, which is not the capital of Colombia, by the way. That's Bogota. Uh, but the thing is that Medellin really is the is, is is the Colombian rugby cradle. That's really where rugby is, is big. Uh, I don't know about popularity, but that's really the home of Colombian rugby and has been for quite a number of years. Uh, I need to find out this, the history there, but it's quite interesting, I have to say. In any case, their team, the Colombian national team, uh, known as the Tucans or Tucanes, uh, unfortunately is not that it's not that well developed. They are making large strides to get better. If you compare it to Paraguay, they're doing so much better in comparison to Paraguay. A team, by the way, that they just actually beat in 2019 for the first time. That was a really good match, too. Jacare's um, uh, uh, two cans. But uh, the, Paragu- the, the, sorry, the Colombian uh, Union uh, is getting a lot of support from the government. They are, as far as I know, probably uh, one of the few uh, rugby unions actually to get monetary compensation from uh, uh, from the Colombian government. I believe this was the Olympic uh, Olympic Committee that gave them. I believe it was three hundred and thirty thousand U.S. dollars, which is not too shabby at all. And this is specifically to develop the game uh, around uh, seven Sanfic teams. And it's mostly because of the fact that rugby has been used as a tool for social change within the country. A lot of the players, Colombian born and raised players in that team, which by the way, a 19 of them are Colombian and 11 are Argentinian. Very big difference with the Paraguayan team, where you have more Argentinians and Paraguayans, is that rugby has been used to take a lot of those guys out of gang activity and getting them into something positive, which is which has been absolutely great. Uh, so there has been a lot of hype with this team. Uh, of course, their level is still not up there uh, like the others, but they suspected that in a few years, uh, they're going to get strong enough that they actually may compete not only their team, but also the national team for a World Cup. The idea is that they want to be in the World Cup for 2031. Crossing their fingers, hopefully everything goes well. But in any case, speaking of the Colombian team, the head coach is a gentleman named uh, Rodolfo Ambrosio that is Argentinian as well, but he was actually selected to play for Italy back in the 80s. He actually was the starting fly half uh, in the 1987 World Cup, the very first World Cup, in fact. So in any case, after retirement, he turned to, to coaching. He was actually in Italy for quite a number of years. Then he left and was coaching uh, the uh, Argentinians uh, on the 20th team, the Pumitas, in this case, and then from there took a position as head coach of Brazil, and he was there for quite a number of years, actually, uh, until 2019, December 2019, uh, to do uh, payment problems, from at least from what I heard. Um, but Ambrosio is really the reason why the Brazilian team is where it is right now, because he led them through this golden age, uh, of uh, again, of, of, of Brazilian rugby. 
and very well regarded. And now his position has been taken by another guy called Fernando Portugal, who is a former Brazilian uh, international. So not too bad. And I, I assume I assume Rodolfo probably speaks really Portuguese, really good Portuguese by now. In any case, in this instance, uh, the captain is uh, John Carlos Alvarez, or Jonca, as is also known. He's a second, second, third row, uh, third row uh, player, very definitely a true veteran of Colombian rugby. Uh, now, at age thirty-four, definitely a, a senior player in this case. So, in this instance, Colombia uh, or Cafeteros Pro, Cafeteros, by the way, is just. A, a word for someone that produces coffee. Uh, coffee, of course, a very popular uh, staple uh, of Colombian culture. If you're familiar with, with Juan Valdez, for example, um, and also also probably called Cafeteros because of the name of the national soccer team as well. So Cafeteros, not too shabby. Um, in any case, um, that is the team that probably alongside Olympia Lions is going to be fighting for that last place uh, or fifth place spot, I should say, <laughs> in the at the end of the league. So we'll, we'll see how it happens. But in any case, now with all that said, of course, let's finally get into the, the matches themselves. So first, uh, let's, uh, of course, uh, give a talk in regards to what happened uh, on round one. So first of all, round one did not feature the Cobras versus Jaguares game because of uh, what I mentioned before, the 11 players that caught COVID in the Cobras team. So that game was postponed. And we, of course, and there is an idea of maybe playing that game in April. We'll see what happens. Now, one thing with, um, with this particular league that's very interesting is that you may have two rounds within the same week. So for example, round one was on March 16th, that was a Tuesday, and then round two was on March 21st, and that was on a Sunday. So you got anywhere between four or five days of rest, which is really not a lot. Uh, again, but with 16s, they're doing all the best and they're playing all the matches on in the same location, by the way. Uh, just one right after the other because the COVID nineteen, the league has decided to play a couple of games first in in um, in Santiago, I believe. Then after that, we got they have a couple of rounds in Valparaíso, another city in Chile, and then everything else is going to be played in in Montevideo, in, Ur in Uruguay, specifically in South Charrua, which is the the main headquarters uh, of Uruguayan rugby. So in any case, Hawares, Cobras will be a game that we'll speak about at a later date. In any case, the very first game of season two of uh, SLAR or Superliga Americana Rugby, I love that name, by the way, <laughs> it was um, actually uh, Peñarol, the team again from Uruguay against Olympia Lions from Paraguay. So in this instance, the game ended at a 40 to 11 point match to Peñarol. Um, so in this instance, uh, Olympia started really well. In fact, they were the very first uh, to score on, uh, uh, through uh, Juan Gonzalez uh, in the Paraguayan International. Uh, so even though they lost, at least they were the first ones to score and through a Paraguayan player, which was even better. But then, of course, after that, uh, Peñarol came back and definitely imposed themselves. And it was mostly really due to, uh, through their uh, fly half, Mart uh, Martin Roger, uh, who is uh, from Argentina. And had really solid kicking throughout. Um, again, and then uh, and after Olympia Lions score, after that you just had uh, just a couple of penalty kicks. After that, and that was um, by a player last name Urbieta. Let me see if I can find uh, his first name. Uh, let's see, Urbieta. Uh, Sebastián Urbieta specifically at the, the center. 
that, that get um, two, uh, specifically two penalties, and that um, the try that was scored by uh, by Juan Gonzalez, which was on the wing, was really tight. Unfortunately, couldn't do it. But in any case, if you compare it to Martin Roger from Peñarol, uh, four. Uh, so it was. Let me see. It was one, two, three, four tries for conversions and four penalties. Uh, he didn't miss anything, and it was forty points. Even so, not too shabby at all. So again, that was four, again four scores uh, to one uh, in this particular uh, particular game. Uh, again, the the result is not really that surprising because everyone coming in assumed that Peñarol was going to win. But we really thought, and I said we am talking about with the fan base, really thought that Olympia Alliance was going to put more than eleven points. But that was definitely not the case. But again, in case that was just the first match, you know, they need to get the, sh- the jitters of them. So I completely understand. In any case, in the second match after that, we got a Stegnam, the team from Chile, against Cafeteros Pro from Colombia in, in their debut. Uh, so in this one, we had um, a 35 to 12 uh, score. And uh, when it comes to Stegnam, of those 35 points, uh, we have uh, one of their players, uh, specifically one of their, one of their wings, uh, wings uh, Matias Garif- uh, Garifulic, uh, if you were wondering about that last name, um, for whatever reason, a lot of people from Croatia decided to move to Chile that, uh, at the early part of the of the 20th century. Um, Croatians are Catholic by religion, and of course, moving to Latin America, being mostly Catholic, definitely worked out for them. Why Chile? I have no idea, but you're going to see a lot of people from Chile with random Croatian last names. So, and this was way before uh, Yugoslavia and the word and, and the war, and I'm never going to get into that. But in any case, um, he scored four tries specifically. So three. By the way, he scored he scored a hat trick in the first 15 minutes, and then a fourth try later on, uh, and that was at minute 58. So during minutes two, 11, and 15, he already had that again. He already had that hat trick. So he scored four tries. Really good, by the way. Really good play in regards to. In regards to that, now uh, looking for, for example, in regards to Cafeteros, they scored twice. One uh, uh, under uh, one of the, excuse me, one of, under one of the uh, Argentinian players, uh, Facundo uh, Pueyrendon. I can never pronounce that correctly. And the second try by one of their own, a, a gentleman with the name of young Arli uh, Urrutia, uh, which is a very well-regarded player in Colombia, by the way. Um, uh, so it's a wing. Uh, Probably one of the uh, very interesting story uh, for for uh, for him specifically, and really happy, of course, that he was the one to score the first try for for the Colombian uh, team as one of the Colombian nationals in this case. Now the match itself eh, again turned out well. Cafeteros, of course, uh, did the best they could, but uh, unfortunately, again couldn't really. Again, couldn't really win. Uh, really win, win it. Of course, it was suspected. No one really thought that Cafeteros was going to beat a team like Seknam. Uh, they had a lot, way more experience. But again, that's how that's how things are learned in this case. A really high power matching, I have to say. And of course, Cafeteros ended on high, so can't complain in regards to that. Okay, so with that said, now let's go specifically to round two. So in this instance, we have uh, Peñarol. In this instance, playing against Cobras. Uh, of course, this is their debut game because of what happened with COVID that I mentioned before, and after getting those players from Argentina. So this is a this one's a, a closer match. Uh, this one ended uh, with a, a 33 to 24 point uh, game uh, for Peñarol winning specifically. In this instance, we got uh, three tries to two. 
Uh, and uh, for for what I read, because unfortunately, uh, but there's another thing to a slat which I forgot to mention. Um, for whatever reason, the the league people. Um, not only did they gave the, the the rights to ESPN, which is not a problem. The problem is that it's stuck in ESPN Latin America, and, and Brazil has their own thing. So outside of the region, you cannot really watch matches. The only thing that you could really do is to specifically watch the highlights on their YouTube channel, Slar TV. Now, through my connections in Latin America, I was actually able to connect through a VPN to watch the matches that way, or specifically use a site where they uh, that site specifically grabs their um, the signal and you can watch and you can watch the live feed through that website. But other than that, it's just really complicated, unfortunately, to watch the matches. So that's one of the annoying things about it. And you would assume that it will make it easy specifically to bring more eyeballs to the league, but I guess because everything's in Spanish or something like that. Well, Spanish and Portuguese, but still. Yeah, it's really sad. But I also noticed that World Rugby is adding uh, the highlights on their YouTube channel, which is at least uh, is at least good, but it's not as, as good as watching the actual match. Uh, in any case, uh, Peñarol, of course, uh, was uh, the story quite strong. Um, so their center, uh, Felipe Arcos, uh, scored the early try. But then, of course, Cobras came back and eventually uh, scored uh, under um, their, one of their players, which is actually a, a, a French-Brazilian, uh, Lauren Borda Coet, I believe. My French is really bad. But in any case, he was the first one to score uh, for the, the Brazilian team. And he is like a, he's definitely a Brazilian international plays um, scrum half. Then, of course, after that, we had uh, the second score for Cobras, uh, and that was by one of their Argentinians. I believe this is Martin. I think this is first Martin Bersim. I believe this is name. Let me. I'm looking right now at the uh, Manuel, not Martin. Manuel Martin Bersim, one of the Argentinian players. And then their their last two were actually by uh, Brazilian players who got. Uh, oh, by the way, it was four tries actually. One, two, yeah, four tries to uh, four, four to four tries actually. I take that back, not three. So the third try was scored by Moses Duque, also known as the Tank, El Tanque, one of my favorite, favorite Brazilian players. And then after that, the, the last one uh, was by player last name uh, Rouda, let me, uh, and Andre Aruda, excuse me, which is their number eight. Uh, but in this instance, of those four tries, only two conversions were made by Moises Duque. So, for example, if you add those other four points, you got 28, of course, and I got a yellow card uh, to Jan Rossetti, which is the, the which is the captain of the Brazilian team or uniform for Argentina, but has been but of course of Brazilian uh, descent. Uh, and, in and of course, in comparison to Peñarol, uh, who had four penalties and uh, all four penalties scored by Martin Roger, there he is again. Uh, again, that definitely made the difference uh, directly. Uh, and of their four tries, uh, three of them actually were converted. So not bad at all. Uh, but from what I saw in the highlights, uh, Cobras definitely gave them gave them hard work. Definitely, uh, unfortunately, not enough to win. But uh, again, very close match. Definitely the closest match in this instance uh, of round two. Okay, moving into the second match, then we got uh, Segnam against the Chileans against Olympia Lions this time. Um, in this instance, Segnam uh, beat Olympia, of course, and in this instance, it was a 29 to 16 point game. Um, 
a little better from Olympia. Uh, of course, um, score five more points than the the first match uh, against Peñarol, but not enough, unfortunately, for the win. Now, in this instance, uh, for them, the, the only try came at the 72-minute mark by Ignacio Inchauspe from uh, Argentina, uh, which is their scrum half this season. Uh, and then after that, we got a couple of penalties uh, by a player last name Ledesma. I mean, Maximo de Ledesma, their, their fly half specifically, so that's three penalties and that one try. And now you compare, of course, to, to Segnam, when you got three tries in this case, one of them scored by one of the Argentinian, last, uh, Argentinian uh, players, um, last name uh, Filizola, uh, Max, Maximiliano Filiz Filizola, exactly. And then, of course, after that, you had um, only one conversion was made out of those three tries and three penalties. Again, bringing, of course, the score uh, to, oh, let me see, three, actually four penalties, excuse me. That bringing the score, of course, up to uh, 29. Um, I have to say, by the way, the, the, the passage of play that I've seen for uh, of all teams has been quite good. Can't complain there. Of course, you still have a lot of drop ball here and there, but otherwise, the, the, the level game, at least to me as a, as a, as a novice of the game, on the field looks quite good, but in any case, uh, Segnam again wins 29 to 16 to Olympia, and there's already two wins uh, to Segnam, and of course, two losses to uh, Olympia. So it's definitely looking again that they're going down to that fifth. A, a fifth, um, sixth place match. Then finally, of course, we got Cafeteros in this instance playing with Hawaii's big team. So this one is definitely a David versus Goliath match because you have the team with the most experience with the team with the least experience. And it definitely showed on the <laughs> uh, definitely showed on the score. And you're going to see why I'm laughing. It's because the score ended up being 21 Excuse me, 21, excuse me, 71, I, I missed a couple of points there, 71 to 28, and yes, even though Cafeteros lost by that many points, they still ended up scoring 28 points to Hawares, which is not too shabby at all, and by the way, that's four tries that they scored. One of them coming at the end, pretty much on the 8th minute. So even though they lost, they actually ended up getting a, a try bonus point, which definitely is going to matter when they ended up playing with Olympia Lions, whenever that is. So it definitely works out really, when you really think about it. And in this instance, Hawares scored 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 tries. Again, for 71. Of those 11 tries, uh, six were converted. So we're, we have five missing specifically. Oh, actually, six. Uh, no, excuse me, eight were actually uh, converted of, of the, again, of the 11. No, of course, there was no need for penalties in this case, penalty kicks. Now, in comparison, uh, of course, Cafeteros was great 20, uh, 28, uh, try, excuse me, 28 points, four tries, four conversions. All of them converted. And in this instance, they were converted. By, uh, by their fly half, uh, Nicolas Roger. I'm not sure if there's any connection with him and Martin. He's uh, both of them Argentinian. But in any case, quite good. Now, in regards to Cafeteros, uh, they, they had two, uh, two uh, scores uh, by Alejandro Navarro, which I believe is one of the Colombian players. Then you got um, Posada, which is Diego Posada, which is definitely one of the Again, one of the guys from Colombia. And then the last one was by someone last name Garcia. Um, I believe probably, I think, one of the replacements. Uh, Tomas Javier Garcia. Um, I'm not sure in, in that one specifically. But in any case, most of the scores were played by the 
Clement guys, which is great to see. Uh, and again, even though they lost by that many points, at least they put enough of a fight to score 28 points. So not to shout it. Okay, so with that said, everyone, I think we're going to come now to the end of this very first edition of the EOD SLAR uh, report. Again, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, uh, for you to be with me uh, through uh, and through this journey. And the next one's coming up, of course, in the next two months when we're going to be talking all things SLAR. Uh, and of course, if you've got any questions or anything like that, definitely please post it uh, on our Twitter page, of course, at uh, Earful of Dirt. And of course, the rest of our social media accounts, whether on Facebook and Instagram, where you could definitely let us know what's going on there uh, once this is posted. Uh, so like I said before, my name is Victor Perez. It has been an absolute pleasure and you have a great day. And I'll see you next week for episode two of the EOD Slur Report. Thanks again.